You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on any number of podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya, anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. We are going to start today's show with the bizarre story of Matt LaFleur's injury and later in the show talk a little bit about Jimmy Graham and the tight end position and what to expect from this team moving forward. We are now in June, which means we are under the 100-day mark before the season opens. It means next month real football will be happening with pads and, and actual stuff going on. Real hitting training camp opens next month. So while the last few months has been a lot of theoreticals, there's been a lot of hypotheticals, a lot of well if or maybes. No, we're gonna we're gonna see it starting pretty soon. And the ability for the Packers to get there could be hampered by this injury with Matt LaFleur. Last week, late in the week, Matt LaFleur was playing lightning, apparently with with coaches at Lambeau Field, uh, and tore his Achilles. This is the peril of trying to play basketball into your 30s and later. Uh, Ask Kobe. Uh, This is is serious. And it is, I mean, the, the injury is serious. I don't know that the effects necessarily are serious, but, it is different with Matt LaFleur. If Mike McCarthy, and I don't know what the circumstances could have been for Mike McCarthy to be in a position to tear his Achilles. Uh, the, the ice cream truck? I don't know. I don't know what the, what the situation could have been. If he had done it, it would have been a different thing. Matt LaFleur, early in his tenure so far as the Green Bay Packers head coach, has shown a propensity toward being very hands-on. I don't think we can we can say anything for sure about him yet. It's just too early. He's installing. Maybe he's a certain kind of guy now and then won't be eventually. I mean, the, the, the character of a coach can evolve over time. It certainly did for Mike McCarthy. And so what is the effect of Matt LaFleur's injury on this team? I, it, it, it seems a little crazy for us to have that discussion because he's not actually a player on the field, but at the same time, he is someone who is a very hands-on coach. He wants to be in there in the in the quarterback drills showing guys how to do them. He wants to be out there and, you know, he, he was playing some coverage, you know, covering tight ends as they're showing 
you know, examples of the routes or he is he's wanting to be right there that close to coach these guys. And there is both the the loss of that and then the the less quantifiable loss of the impact that not having him there could potentially have on this team. There is a value, just just interpersonal value to having a coach who acts like that because you feel like there's a there's a certain energy, a certain relationship and you can forge a bond that way. You don't have I mean he doesn't have to be out there you know throwing and running routes and covering every snap. I mean that that's not what it needs to be certainly. And plenty of successful coaches do not do it that way. But Matt LaFleur's style I think it is very player friendly in that it allows him to interact on a one-on-one basis more frequently with more players. That's important in building connections with these guys, in learning about how they learn. In teaching, they talk about having to learn your learner and, and understanding what it what is required of making sure that the person you're trying to teach is going to be in the best position possible to absorb that information. And when you're in the position of being around these guys and being near them and 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 specifically coaching them in these moments, you're gathering information. You're you're able to learn the learner. When you're not quite as hands-on, when you're not as close by, that negates that advantage, and, and maybe advantage is the wrong word, but it negates that potential benefit. And then that this is then a trickle down into Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze. And, and it's funny because just a, a few days before this happened, in fact, just a day before it happened, Nathaniel Hackett was up there at the podium in front of the media and was talking about how, well, you know, my job is really more organizational. It's more about making sure, you know, things are organized, that the offense is organized. It's less about actually coaching the fundamentals of it. It's it's sort of, you know, liaison is probably the wrong phrasing, but it is, you know, he's acting as first mate, but it's more that Matt LaFleur is the captain plotting the course. And then you have your, you know, your lieutenant, who is making sure that that course is being followed. And then Luke Getze is the the reinforcement voice of the head coach. Well, now both of those guys are in a position to have to take a little bit more forward role. They're going to have to be a little bit more hands-on themselves. They're going to have to take a little bit more responsibility. It's not that Matt LaFleur is not going to be around. He is. He's going to be there. But some of that, that, you know, interpersonal coaching and those opportunities are going to go to some of these other guys because LaFleur is going to be in a cart and how long he's going to be in a cart we don't know he's probably not going to be moving around certainly not running by training camp and so he's not going to be able to do all the things he'd normally want to do that does I mean it it we don't know how big the impact is is it a one is it a three and I think that's the top end of uh, out of 10 how big you think this this impact is. But it can't be nothing. It just can't be nothing. And it, and it may be something that is like non-zero but not a one. 
I don't think that's true for a first-year head coach. If this were year three or year four of Matt LaFleur, yeah, fine. Uh, it, it would it would suck if you're him, and and it, obviously, I mean, no one wants to tear an Achilles, but you're not really, there's no deleterious effects on the team, really. But this is a coach still trying to figure out how to coach a team. This is a coach still earning the respect of his players. And the way he wanted to do it, he now can't engage with. That has to have negative effects on his ability to do what he wants to do. It, it, it does. We can say with certainty it does. Now, does that mean that he is going to be a less effective coach? You know, that is something that, that we can't measure. And the degree to which it matters can't be measured. But it is certainly is the case that he can't coach the way he wants. And, and you have to expect if he can't coach the way he wants, he's going to be some percentage of slightly less effective. And early on, that could have bigger effects than it would in other situations. I don't want to overplay this here because I don't think all of a sudden, well, Matt LaFleur was going to be a great coach and then now he's going to be terrible. No. It, it, but it, it has to change his coaching style. It's going to change his effectiveness because this is not the way he wanted to coach. And if he thought the other way, this is critical. If he thought not doing the things that he is going to now have to not do would make him a better coach, he would have not done them, right? So if he thought he didn't have to do a lot of the stuff that he's doing, if he thought that was not the best way to coach, it would be stupid for him to do them. So now all of these things he thought would make him a better coach, he doesn't get to do. Well, by that logic, he's not going to be as good a coach. We just can't, we don't know the degree to which that will be true, but we're pretty sure. I mean, I think we can, unless he, you know, uncovers some secret talent that he had. It is going to affect the way that he coaches the team. It's going to affect probably the quality of the coaching that he gives. Now, you know, let's say if the old way was he's giving 100%, maybe now he's only giving 97, 95. If that's the difference, mm, it's a rounding error. But if a lot of the benefit that he was offering is now mitigated and subverted by this injury, and now you're looking, well, now he's only 85% as effective. Now we're talking about statistically significant differences. And obviously, again, I, I just got through saying we can't measure it. We don't know. But it could be the case that, that this sets him back a little bit as, as a leader. He, he wanted to be out there, and he's now not going to be out there. And so he's still going to be on the practice field. He's still going to be in meetings. He's still going to be... Uh, looking at film, but this is this goes back to our discussion about Ted Thompson. You know, even if the same decisions are ultimately being reached, maybe it's less efficient process. Maybe it's it's that efficiency ultimately degrades the effectiveness. Luckily, in this case, Matt Lafleur's health is going to get better, and eventually, he's going to be able to get back to doing the things that he wants to be able to do. He's going to be able to stand on the sidelines in all likelihood in Week One. And the rest of the season, coach the way that he wants to coach. So 
this is this is you know there's a lot of stylistic changes that are going to have to be made there are intangibles at play here and we just don't know yet because we don't know enough about Matt LaFleur we don't know enough about his relationships with his players at this point to know how big an impact it's going to have on his ability to, to coach but it is going to change his preferred ability to coach and we just have no real working base no knowledge base to say this is what we think he can be without those other things. I don't know if he has those answers either. And and if you're the Packers, that's something that you have to get worked out. One of the players who I think is under the most scrutiny in 2019 is Jimmy Graham. And his... Subpar 2018 is something that certainly puts the bullseye on him when it comes to fan ire. And he was honest and candid in an interview over the weekend. This is this is via friend of the podcast, Kelly Price, and, and NBC26 in Green Bay. This is Jimmy Graham talking about the struggles that he had last season and, and really being honest about it. Yeah, I fit everywhere. <laughs> um, like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you know, last year was was um, uh, w- w- was disappointing for everybody. You know, it's it's uh, uh, I, you know I'm not I'm not used to losing. Um, I don't think anybody here is. You know, and and for me, it was not a good year. And so, uh, I'm completely focused on you know uh, putting my best foot forward and you know being the player that I am. You know, uh, uh, scoring down the red zone and and being that big threat on third down. I mean, I got to get back to that and. Um, you know, it, I take it serious. You know, it's something that eats at me every day. You know, just not making the playoffs and 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 sometimes not making the plays that I should have. So, uh, you better believe I'll be ready. Now, I'm not sure it is the case that he fits everywhere. Uh, that is because he does not block particularly well. And you know, we heard I have the words of Ben Fennel ringing in my ears, and I have for the last few weeks. This, this offense finds ways to get guys open in space at the tight end position. Now, Jimmy Graham can still run in a straight line. And if you leak him out and you get him the ball with space, he's going to go create. And, and that is that is certainly going to be valuable. The question is, how much versatility can he provide? How much can he give you in the run game? And then how much splitting him out are you getting from him and and how many times are you getting him on a safety where he can go and create a mismatch because that was somewhere he did not thrive last year in the way that we would expect now here's what i think changes for him and this team in 2019 green bay is going to play a lot more base and they're going to they're going to force teams to make decisions about how they're going to play the packers offense from a personnel standpoint if they come out and 60, 65, 70% of the time, they're in two receivers or fewer. And whether that's two tight ends, whether it's a running back, a fullback, and a tight end, we don't, you know, it doesn't really matter. But if teams feel like they have to play base in those situations, that is going to create more opportunities for Jimmy Graham against linebackers, Jimmy Graham against safeties who are not used to covering in space, it also it has the potential for, for Graham to be more often running into down the seam when coverage has not been prioritized by personnel. If you're going up against a team and they've got 
base personnel and they've got more linebackers out there. They've got, you know, they've got their four DBs. That changes the matchup. If you're the if you're the Packers under Mike McCarthy and you're going to play 11 personnel all the time, three receivers, one tight end, and they can play nickel and they can put a safety on Graham or they can even, you know, if they want, they can put a corner on Graham. That mitigates your advantage of having someone like Jimmy Graham. Now, theoretically, he should be able to overpower defensive backs. But he wasn't able to do that last year. And, you know, we heard in that discussion between Mercedes Lewis and Martellus Bennett uh, on, on Bennett's Yahoo show that this offense under Mike McCarthy was just not tight end friendly. They didn't get to do a lot of the things that tight ends get to do in other offenses. And, you know, that's relevant. So even with that, the numbers, the ultimate numbers ended up being solid for Jimmy Graham. Pretty good, actually. And so imagine him in an offense where he's put in, where he's given, this is, this is there is a lot of similarities in the way that Matt LaFleur can, can do things for Aaron Rodgers in the way that he can do things for Jimmy Graham. So one of the big differences that I think we're going to see with Matt LaFleur compared to Mike McCarthy is there are going to be more built-in looks where guys are just open. It's the read and it's the it's the throw and it's like, okay, Aaron, when you get to the line, we have designed this play to be this and it's going to work and this is the guy you're going to throw to and it's going to be open. And it's just that. And he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to sit back, and he doesn't have to read. And receivers are not going to have to win. And th- this is just the thing. And and he can get to the top of his drop, make the throw, and it's a and it's a nice game, right? That was not a big part of the Mike McCarthy offense, and that's going to change with Matt Lafleur theoretically. Now, Mike McCarthy's offense for the tight end, much the same. Same with receivers. You got to go win. Well, Jimmy Graham is not going to win as consistently as he used to. So having more built-in opportunities, having more, well, we're just going to leak him out the backside and get him something easy. Those kinds of, of opportunities can get you going. And those kinds of opportunities build confidence and they build chemistry with a quarterback and they get defenses thinking differently. Because if you're a threat on those leak plays, when the team is in base and you're running those play action throws, now you've really put the defense in a bind because they want to they want to have their linebackers on the field because they know you're going to run the ball in those two tight end sets. But then if you're able to get Jimmy Graham free and he's having to do less work to get open, then suddenly the situation has changed and you are... You know, you're getting easy opportunities. And that creates doubt in the mind of defenses. That doubt can be used in all sorts of different ways. And and you can you can have it manifest in, in personnel questions. You can have it manifest on play action. I mean, there there are so many ways that you can use that to your advantage as an offense that I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the ways that this offense can make life easier for Aaron Rodgers and how it fits the skills of the receivers and and how you don't need a player like Jimmy Graham 
for this offense to be effective at the tight end position. But it is the case that someone like Jimmy Graham could end up being more effective in the ways that he was ineffective last year because of the ways that he can be effective in this offense. It's like in the NBA. We just saw the Warriors even their their NBA final series. You you get fouled and you get to the free throw line and you see a couple go in. And now you've got your confidence. And now the the hoop seems a little bit bigger. Everything seems a little bit easier and and you get a rhythm going. Jimmy Graham early in the season had some games where he got his rhythm and Green Bay got him the ball. In games that they made a concerted effort to get him the ball, he produced against Minnesota, against San Francisco. When they're running stuff to get him the ball, he can he can still run. He can still make catches. But I think he was pressing last year. I think he felt the pressure of it. And he he was frustrated. The chemistry with Rodgers took longer to develop than they thought. We, you know, we we saw in training camp and in the preseason. Oh, it looks like they're just like ready. They're just ready to go. Well, it turned out that's not true. Once game speed happened, and and once you got to go beat real defenses, things change. Maybe this offensive difference and the scheme where you can get some of these layups, you know, where you can get Jimmy Graham to the free throw line, see a couple go in, and now. The next time you get on the field, that safety that didn't want any part of you when you were running down the field, maybe he wants a little less part of trying to cover you over the middle the next time you're trying to run through his zone. Those factors matter on the margins. And the margins in so many games decide outcomes. Those, those little fractions, those, those half percentages, those, those fractional decimal point plays, those differences often decide games. And I think, you know, it's understandable to be disappointed in what happened with Jimmy Graham last year. And, and I think it's fine to be somewhat dubious about his ability to be a, a helpful player in the run game. But I, I think there's certainly a path that we can see for him to be a useful player to this team in the passing game because of the ways that that this offense gets guys open at the tight end position. And I think that could have you know significant effects on his ability to be confident and play the way that he wants to play and have Rodgers be confident in him. I think that all... Before we finish up here, today's show is brought to you by Grip6. It's an ultra-lightweight belt with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6.com for the special offer. Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, to check it out. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow with our rookie orientation series, Pressing Forward. Kingsley Kiki, a very intriguing player for the Packers, someone who I think is going to get snaps early, who is going to be a part of the defensive line rotation, and they need him because, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson's not coming back. They gave away his number, and he was picked up over the weekend on a DUI, a suspected DUI in New York, so 
I just think that this is over for for Green Bay, and this is the, these are the guys that you have to look at. And Kingsley Kiki is a guy who I think is easy to be excited about if you're the Packers, easy to be excited about if you're a Packers fan. So we're gonna have that conversation tomorrow. We've got Ty Summers on deck as well. I'm still working to schedule Dexter Williams, but we're going to get to all of that. The best way for you to make sure you're not missing any of those shows is to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Go find us and subscribe. The magic, it just goes right to your phone. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. We're going to have a questions show this week, so send those in. Anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. Please do that. It's 920-341-3775. Send me a text, leave me a voicemail, whatever you want to do. Just let me know how you are staying Locked on Packers.